Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is set for one episode. Your host from Columbus, Ohio, is Michael Kirk. Welcome to the Outlaw Mudcast. Hello and welcome to the Outlaw Mudcast, your digital audio dirt sheet for all things Super Show. On this special post-Origins Game Fair episode of the Outlaw Mudcast, I am joined by the founder and CEO of SRG Universe, the creator of Super Show the Game, the leader of the Crime Wave, Scooby-Doo enthusiast, the SRG BOSS, Steve Resk. Steve, welcome to the show. Mr. Michael Kirk, I couldn't have said it better myself. You even nailed down the Scooby-Doo enthusiast. Folks might not know, but I'm working on a full collection of every Scooby-Doo board game of all time. Uh, And I'm getting, I'm making great progress. Eventually I'll get to like the monopolies and the clues and the remakes, but I'm talking like straight up individual Scooby-Doo games. Uh, We've all seen the, uh, I'm not sure what that game is, but where the people are trying to collect the, uh, I guess, were they Scooby snacks bouncing out of the, uh, Oh, snack and action. Yeah. That's a fun one. Snack and action. Yeah. Some of the games I like to play on the stream with the kids are the fast-paced ones, but we have a lot of other ones, too, that are a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, I hadn't hadn't planned on how we're going to go, but since you just mentioned fast-paced game, you know, one of the the many things that happened this weekend, of course, Sprites Entertainment was there on hand, and they had two games. And one of those games was a game that was originally out for demonstration on Thursday, got put away, came back on Sunday, and that's a very fast-paced game called Burnt. Burnt is incredible. It's literally two-minute rounds. I really enjoyed Burnt. Burnt is an incredible, fast-paced game. How much input did you guys have on Burnt, or was that almost all a sprites initiative for Burnt? So the creators of Sprite, Henry and Steve, were working with Burnt, but they did not create it. They just helped with the design process of the look and the feel of things. They had the artwork commissioned and the demoing commissioned. Um, When I had met them, I had met them probably because of Burnt, because of the two-minute timer was there. and This was fresh off a Kickstarter that had funded in two minutes, and... That was the uh, the era of the two-minute man, SRG, B-O-S-S. So I had seen that little two-minute egg timer. And actually, the one that I use currently is that exact one. I had ordered one. Um, and I'd sat down and I played. I don't even remember, honestly, if I played Sprites or Burnt first. Um, but I, I was very, very impressed with both. I think I was more so impressed with Sprites because I felt the um, the lore and the world that they created with the Sprites characters and with the different comic books that they had created was really something that I could see being very big. So I had reached out to them after I seen, I, I guess, collectively both of them. And in the early stages, we were going to work together and it, it did not work out. But I have a a very friendly business approach where I'm not I never look to be cutthroat. I'm not looking to buy people out. I'm not trying to take over people's ideas. So we had worked closely with them for 
a few weeks before we decided not to work together. And again, I had wished them, you know, best of luck. I hope you guys become multimillionaires. Um, and, you know, it was a nice conversation because they, they were like, oh, you're not going to be upset at us walking away. And I said, no, not at all. Uh, and then a couple, I'd say a year or so later, maybe two years with COVID, we were able to, you know, reunite and work back together again. Uh, but Burnt, on the game Burnt, just to give you a little background on it, it is, it reminds me of like Yahtzee King of Tokyo style, where you're doing, you're trying to get dice combinations and you have the ability to re-roll. So Burnt is trying to capture the chaoticness of being in the kitchen. Um, the object of the game is you want to prepare the most dishes and earn the most points. However, what's really cool about the game is your opponent can disrupt you in certain ways. So, for example, if there's a card like Eggs Benedict, I don't even know if Eggs Benedict is a card, but it's one of my favorite dishes. If it required four fours to make, you would roll your dice in a little a literal pot. And anytime you had a four, you could pull it out as an ingredient. And when you had four total fours, you could cook the Eggs Benedict. And you would do that by grabbing it from the middle pile and putting it on your play mat, which has three burners on it. So once you put the dish on the stove, you take a 20-second timer and you put it on it. And that symbolizes the dish being cooked. Now, when the 20-second timer runs out, you take the dish off and you earn the points for it. However, what makes it really fast-paced, as you said, is if I notice my opponent's 20-second timer has ran out and they have not taken the timer off their card, I can flick their timer over and that will indicate that they burnt the dish and they won't get full credit for it. Every time I catch my opponent burning a dish, I get extra points as well. So it's like a two-point swing. And this goes on for two minutes, fast-paced dice rolling. You could have extra up to three dishes on your stove at a time same for your opponent and while all this is going on you're continually trying to roll and focus on making more dishes your opponent can knock over your timer uh three two minute rounds each round there's a chef specialty which is a goal you're trying to hit a uh, very very fast paced and fun it literally takes two minutes to do a demo um and the amount of people that were excited for burnt was really incredible we actually had to take it down not because the game wasn't great, but because Sprites was available for purchase and we didn't want Burnt overshadowing the booth. You know, first of all, you got to get the products that are there first and be able to make sales. So it's worth it for the people to get out there. So we said, listen, we're confident we'll sell out of Sprites. Once we sell out of Sprites, we'll put the demos back on the table and show people when they can get ready for pre-orders and such. And I'd say about midway through Saturday, Sprites was sold out, which was which was great. So you'd planned on, you'd figured you would have sold out of Sprites when you brought to Origins. Yes, yes, okay. absolutely. Right. Uh, we did a small print run, and as I said, I, I really love the game Sprites. Uh, it's, it's a wizard battling game using magical creatures called Sprites. So you use magic wands and magical creatures to battle in an arena. And you win the game when you earn five fans, and you earn fans during combat. But each turn you get... Three actions to spend. Uh, and it's a very simple game. Everybody plays from the same deck. You equip wands. You attach sprites to them. You can stack them up to three high. They get synergy based on the color of the sprites and the wands. Do different things. Um, it is very easy to play. But you will see as you play, it gets very strategic into the late games. If you're playing with people that are gamers and smart, um, you can really get down into 
where every maneuver you make, every action you spend is key to the end of the game. Uh, yes, I agree. I got the demo sprites a few times, and I did get the demo burnt on Sunday, which is why I got to play it, and I really, really enjoyed burnt. There's a lot going on, but it's really fun. But yeah, I got to play sprites. It is very strategic. There is a lot of thinking that can go into it. And yeah, it is a wizard combat game where the idea is you want to be successful in combat because when you have combat success, you earn fans. And earning, I believe it's five fans, wins you the game. And one of my favorite mechanics of sprites is when you deal damage, you reveal cards from the deck. And if it has a fan, you earn a point. If it doesn't, you draw it to your hand. So it gets very, very exciting. Even if you hit like a quote-unquote kill shot where you need three fans, you could deal three points but only get one, you know, three damage but only get one point out of it randomly. And that makes it very, very exciting. I mean, the upside is the card goes to your hand, so you're still getting to draw cards. But I've seen games where... You know, the guy needed two, and he hit for four, and he only got one. And then somebody was able to come back and win. It makes it very exciting, in my opinion. Yeah, I believe there was a game we were demoing, gosh, I want to say Friday night, where I want to say it was Brock Carson just kept winning battles and scoring no fans. Yeah, and, and it, it gets it super just, excited. Like, at one time we had a four-way battle, and it was, that you know, everybody had – um, five fans because there's actually a wand that says you need six to win and you know there were a couple swings and a misses as we would call it and when that final one came out and it was a fan for the win like people were screaming and cheering and, and people at Origins came running over saying what the heck are you guys playing you know that was a big selling point because it was that real organic like oh uh, you know missing the fan and then when it actually was People were just celebrating. It was such a grindy game. It was great. Yeah. So sprites sold out. Will sprites be going to Gen Con? Will that, that be the next time people have an opportunity to buy it? You could actually buy it right now. There are some available online. Uh, that's uh, What's that? Spritesentertainment.net? Is that the yep. website? Yep. You could grab it right yep. now. Um, and I think it's a good opportunity to grab because I feel sprites is going to be a big game in general. Uh, and it'd be nice to have one of the original print runs of it. You know, obviously there'll be some tweakings of things. You know, potentially a Kickstarter. I've had some cool ideas for it. Yeah, I know Griff was talking about there's thoughts of creating boss battles mm -hmm. in the game. So there, so there could be a cooperative element as well as the current competitive way it's yep. played right now. Like a solo mode type thing. I mean, I wanted to do like a boss hammer wand. I thought that would be really cool. And a lot of the wands are based off of like household items. And mm -hmm. if you know anything about the BOSS, my favorite household appliance is the blow dryer. So I think a blow dryer wand would be really funny. I did not know that. Yeah, I'm a big know. blow dryer fan. Big blow dryer fan. All right. I love, I love blow drying my whole body off after a shower. So... Is that going to be one of the items in the next weapon series? I would blow dryers, right? That'd be really funny. I mean, we have pineapples. Why not blow dryers? We got dogs, sheep, cats. Like, yeah. Well, I don't think anyone's using the cat and the sheep as weapons. That yeah. would be a yeah. yeah. Backlash with the cat would be really funny. True. Wow. 
but yeah, sprites yeah. Uh, was a, a concept that we've seen a while ago, and you know, to be able to work with it is really you know a dream come true. Uh, aside from SRG Universe, I created a consulting company called Ivy Rest Consulting, uh, with the tagline of "Happiness buys money." So to be able to work with other people that are obviously very talented and you know assist with the process of getting them at conventions and demoing and you know building a sales team is really part of my dream uh, one of my many dreams and i'm very fortunate to have you know accomplished a lot of the things i've set out to but for a very long time it has always been my goal to be a business consultant and work with other people that want to do startup companies and and you know grow with them and help them out so to be able to work with the sprites guys and it not work out and then to come back and start working out is really um is amazing to me because that's really something i want to do working with these companies and be able to you know get their ideas off the ground and and still help myself in the same you know breath my kids are having a great time outside if you hear them screaming oh yeah we can can definitely hear them screaming little bonus for the listeners I went, uh, I did a little therapeutic shopping today, Mr. Kirk. I headed over to the Dollar Tree and was just balling out with all their like summer items. So we bought like, I, little wiffle ball bats and make believe like golf sets, and they're going crazy with them right now. Yeah, I saw you get some of that. Uh, was it immunity tea the other day? Oh, yeah, yeah. Dollar Tree's good stuff, man. Even at a dollar and a quarter, folks, there's just. Some of the things we bought, you can hear them now. They've been playing it for over an hour. Where can you get an hour of entertainment out of a dollar? That's true. Where can you? But yeah, overall, Origins was a huge success. I wanted to talk with you specifically because I know that you always Mm -hmm. ask the tough questions, maybe things that are on a lot of people's minds. When we do things like Talk of the Universe, we kind of pepper in the storyline stuff. You know, we talk a little trash about John Poverino. We bury some people, we put some people over, but I'm sure people would be interested in hearing, you know, what we would call a shoot here in the industry, you know, straight up questions being asked in regards to origins. All right. Well, let me just uh, start firing off some more, some uh, origins questions. And you've been not just attending origins, but you've been a SRG universe that is, has been like a major sponsor of origins past few years. Yeah, we've been a sponsor a couple of years, and I'm really happy with always doing a sponsorship at Origins. You know, we've spent the big, big bucks to sponsor Gen Con, and, you know, maybe the return is higher on Gen Con, but the treatment that Origins gives us, you know, you were there, you know, two boots, placement in the magazine, coupon book. Uh, I, I don't even know. Our space was huge. We would, could have put two ring canvases down in this space easily, right? And Origins ah. really treats us like a special attraction, and I think that's what makes Origins so special for the Super Show players. Yeah, I will say that having been to both Origins and Gen Con, it does feel like Origins rolls out the red carpet for you guys a little bit more than they do at Gen Con. Absolutely. Just, yeah, from hearing the stories about what it's like working – with Origins versus working with Gen Con, it seems like the relationship between SRG Universe and Origins is much stronger. Yeah, I mean, Gen Con, 
you know, we did the sponsorship one year because we were on the ropes and it was the only option that they had given us. And I think the conversation in the beginning was very condescending and in a sense where they were like, the only way for you guys to be a part of Gen Con this year is to do a sponsorship package. And that starts at $25,000. So we'll see you guys next year. And like that alone left the bad taste in my mouth because, you know, just, it just seemed like very backhanded, very condescending. And I told him, whoa, 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 hold up. Let me see if this is a possibility. And, you know, we, we went, we took out a business loan and we ended up paying back the business loan and it worked out. But from there, it just seemed like they weren't treating people right. And we've had so many issues with Gen Con. For example, after the sponsorship, they offered us a 10 by 10 the following year. You know, so we went from like this huge draw to a 10 by 10. And then we had a couple of years where we sold only generics because we were a brand new game and we had over 100 players for an event. They discredited that. We did it again the next year and they said, you know, that they don't even look at generics, which they didn't tell us the previous year. Uh, and then the following year after that, after two years of generics, we sold actual tickets and they told us, they don't think we'll be able to do it again. So they're not going to give us space next year. So very so, uphill battle with Gen Con, you know? So are you saying right now that you won't have space next year? Oh, no, I will. But I'm saying okay. it went generic. They said we filled out the paperwork wrong. So then we did generics again the next year and made sure we did the paperwork correctly. And their response was they don't even look at generics because it's easy to forge. And I was like, well, we have it on video. We can show you. And they didn't care. So then the next year, we stressed that, like, you have to have the event tickets. And the event tickets on our end sold out. And then the year after that, they were like, we don't think you'll do it again. And then we did it again. And then we kind of, at that point, got some set space. But, like, it took four years of, like, going head-to-head -head with them, you know? Yeah, I can. That definitely sounds like a hassle, that deal with that. And to constantly prove that, you know. Because, look, I'm there. I see the crowds. I mean, the game is infamous for how loud it is. Yeah, and that was my point. I was like, I'll send you a video, right, like, of everybody there for the event. Um, but fortunately, we've worked out some permanent spaces with them now. Um, but to get what we have at Origins would probably cost 10 times as much money at Gen Con. You know, I don't know if 10 is a bit of an overstatement, but a lot more. That's why we love Origins. And it's getting to the point when people are saying, you know, which one? If we can only do one, what do we go to? And if you're going for Super Show, I would say Origins without a question. If you're going for an overall gaming experience, maybe you pick Gen Con. Because I know it's big for a lot of new releases and so on and so forth. I, I kind of, I would tend to agree with that. Let's see. Um, well, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but this has been the second year in a row you've done this. I think you started it last year at Origins, bringing in guests. How have, how has the guest experience been for you guys? Um, I love it. Uh, as a game designer and a wrestling fan, to have wrestlers want to work with us and be willing to work with us is really great. Um, we're a little bit selective on the guests we pick because we want to pick people that we think would play Super Show and get into it, right? So we've had some really great luck with guys like Brian Cage at the Grand Gathering, who is excellent. You know, Breeze, 
and Dillinger were great. Sean Spears, they're gamers by nature. And then Origins last year, we brought in Effie, who loved the game, you know, speaks very, very highly of us in the independent circuit. Ivelisse, I think in all my experience playing Super Show with people, she was probably the most fun person right off the bat, like super got into every card being played, very animated, very fun. Um, so we've had a lot of good luck. We don't really just pick anybody. We're not looking to make it like an autograph signing. Um, so that's why this year the selection of people we had was Young, Dumb, and Broke. Young, Dumb, and Broke had come down, and they played the game, and they really were into it. And I think people who came to Origins who only saw the online presence of Young, Dumb, and Broke really got to see why we had such confidence in them as tag team champions. Jessica Havoc does a great gaming stream. She streams on Twitch very often. So this was another, you know, great addition to bring in there. Uh, and then also Anastasia Morningstar, who's doing great stuff on the indies right now. Uh, we knew going in there before she became a, a Super Show competitor because she actually played Super Show before her independent career took off. So bringing those people in for me, um, is again, I use this phrase a lot, but a dream come true to be work with independent wrestlers and be able to support wrestlers with bookings where they're not getting dropped on their head and they're not getting beat up. Um, it's, it's really amazing. Okay, I did not know that Anastasia Morningstar had played the game prior to even becoming a professional wrestler. That's uh, yes, yeah, incredible, guess, right? Yeah, because I was gonna, I was gonna ask a question, I was gonna ask you, how did you, you know, meet? bringing up Anastasia Morningstar, how did you first know her? Then how did you, you know, propose putting her in the game? But if she was already a, if she was already a player before she even started wrestling, that makes, you know, it's a natural fit then, I would say. I well, would I told you we'd make this interview a shoot, and uh, Anastasia in real life had actually demoed Super Show at a Long Island tabletop convention many years ago alongside – caveman my friend jose uh, and that's actually his fiance in real life oh i did not know that yeah so we you know little real shoot interview here i I'm hope they forgive me on that but yeah that's absolutely that's how i had met naomi as i know her i sometimes forget she's naomi because she's so good at being anastasia are you still there mike because my computer i'm still here i'm okay, still good. here i didn't, We're I, still I didn't going. know if i met you um, and that's why, yeah, she had played beforehand. She got into the indies. The Anastasia Morningstar gimmick um, is super popular, not just here, but in Puerto Rico. She's doing really good things. I think that that sort of character, that like witch, satanic type thing, is it was a good time, especially with like Sabrina the Teenage Witch coming out and like getting super popular for a while. I think that definitely helped like going along with pop culture that was on the same, you know, the, the chilling adventures of Sabrina rather that was on Netflix. Uh, and she, she really doing great stuff. She trained very hard and she made a unique gimmick and she's doing amazing. Okay. It was also nice to see caveman. I hadn't seen caveman since the Gen Con where he temporarily became general manager. Yeah, no, it's great to see caveman. Uh, it really is. You know, there was, there was been a long road for Caveman. Uh, yeah. Some people know he got himself into a little trouble. Uh, he went through the system, did everything the right way. 
And, you know, now he's, he's back and I'm glad to be able to work with him. He's a very good friend. He's a very hard worker. He's a very talented person. And I'm glad to be able to, you know, have him back in action again. Yeah. Yeah. It's very nice to see all these people come back. He was a surprise when he showed up at Long Island Tabletop Gaming Expo. And then yeah, I think an even bigger surprise that he made the trip out to the Midwest once again. Yeah, no, it was great. I, and yeah. again, to be working with independent wrestlers and people and give them some opportunities to build up their character and other bookings is really awesome to me. It's something that I always wanted to do and be able to do it is really, really great. I feel now, like it gives us a little legitimacy and them legitimacy as well. And obviously like dual exposure on both parts. I I think the dual exposure is good. I, you you don't you you're already legitimate. You guys are already legitimate. You're the number one wrestling card game in the world. I guess still number one on Board Game Geek. Still number one. Still, number still one. outperforming wrestling games on Kickstarters despite them having licensing, yeah. which is big, right? Right. Still outperforming Kickstarter games, even though we are dubiously losing to certain wrestling uh, trading cards. On Twitter. Yeah, I mean, some people yeah. are like, you have to be the bigger person and not call that out. I'm like, well, I didn't call it out. Our fans did. And, like, pretty spot on, though, honestly, you know? Seems a little no, suspect, so. No, I mean, when you, I mean, when nobody votes for you for a week and then all of a sudden you get enough votes to win in less than, what, 30 minutes of the contest? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a little yeah, sus, right? You wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't even want to win that way because it would make because it would make my win look suspicious immediately. Yeah, no, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, let's not. I don't want to talk about that anymore. Just time to the negative, to the negative. Uh, focus on the negative. Um, are there any plans for guests coming up for Gen Con? People want to know. People are going to want to know that we're about two months out from that. So less at this point. Nothing confirmed. And I know that that's not a great answer, but like we've had tried to do things that are pretty significant. Um mm -hmm. but nothing confirmed. Is I there anything to... about Gen Con is, is getting a little bit more upcoming? Uh -huh. uh, that like other big names might be there. So we're trying to work out some collaborations with them, which would be awesome, right? Okay. Any uh, any big any like exclusive Gen Con box set type things planned? Gen Con is is scheduled to be a time warp theme release, so we're trying to get the Kickstarters early. All the stuff that didn't fund will come around with that. You know, and then maybe try to get the stick stairs and chairs box set. The last one is the hardest of the three, but we're really mm -hmm. pushing for it to be the time warp release. So yeah, so what we play, so if you were, were part of the Kickstarter campaign, what was in that Kickstarter campaign, you want that that box set, you're trying to get that to be the Gen Con set as well. So that will release at Gen Con. Uh -huh. Um but there are also stuff that didn't fund through the the stretch goals, so that stuff as well, plus other things that we developed that were in theme with the time warp that would be coming out. So a little more characters, some promo cards, some entrance cards, so on and so forth. 
So something like the antagonist competitor set. Exactly. That yeah. might be coming out, Jenka. Okay. Prima Lada, at West, but... at West, if you're listening. That's the goal. I mean, as you guys know, right now the world's yeah. in a crazy yeah. place. We see some supply chain issues, some paper issues, but right, right now that was what my um, my meetings today and yesterday were about. Hey, let's get our schedule down, Pat. This is what we're looking for. You know, this is when we're going to try to do the female release. This is when we're going to do the catalyst release. Gen Con is looking to be time warped released. Uh, and then start previewing for uh, the re-release of Ikazo around February 2023. Okay. So there's a Catalyst Pro Wrestling box set and a female competitor-based box so set that you're working on? The females will probably just be a release of competitors. Okay. We have a Catalyst box set um, with the characters done. That'll be like the New South box set where it comes with a very, very good deck. And we have a theme of independent female release. We had announced, I don't know if you guys are aware, some of them have been spoiled on expanding the universe. Uh, we had just recently added one of my favorite independent female wrestlers, Gabby Ortiz. So that was really exciting for me to be able to okay. work directly with Gabby Ortiz. She'll be a part of that release. Yeah. Anastasia Morningstar is in that release as well. She came out earlier, obviously, for the appearance that came in. Right. I remember seeing Amber Nova get previewed for that. Amber release. Nova, yep. Jamie Lynn, yep. Jamie Senegal is going to be in that as well. Okay. Let me see. I could pull up maybe my spreadsheet. How many? How many roughly are going to be in? I think it's six. Yeah. A seven six. now with Gabby. Seven with Gabby. Okay. Daddy, mommy. And then. What's that? The boss well, is calling me upstairs. Ladies and gentlemen, we're briefly joined by one half of the Alpha uh, Tag Team, Boston Sage Babies, Victoria <laughs> Joe. Yeah, she loves to talk that one. She's going to definitely not be shy. Yep. You know, it's funny. I just pulled up my spreadsheet. Oh, there it is. So, uh, Jamie Lynn, Amber Nova, Anastasia Morningstar. Shay McCoy. That's four of the females. They're definitely which. Who, who? What was that first name on McCoy? Shay. Jay McCoy. Okay. Oh, Shay. S H. Shay. Okay. Shay. Okay. Not familiar with her. Jamie Lynn sounds familiar. Um, used to go by Jamie Jamie Lynn Senegal. Now just Jamie Lynn, I believe. Yeah, that name sounds familiar, but I'm. I'm not placing it. Just a little editing note here. At this point in the call, the call actually disconnected. So we had to reconnect, but we were able to reconnect. And and the show continues on from here going forward with no other problems. All right. So that's who you have for the uh, female wrestlers. Catalyst. The only person I've seen from Catalyst that I can recall is Homicide. And that's the Homicide that was in LAX, right? That's the same this homicide. This is the original OG homicide LAX, and I did a great interview with him on Why Wrestling for the Y Network, and he is a true OG of independent wrestling. All the big names, I'm talking every big name, has worked homicide and worked a feud with him throughout their career. So that was great to work with him. 
The roster right now, which I'm excited for, one man I asked for by name, Colossal Mike Law. If you ever seen him, he had a viral video of like a suicide dive that he did through the ropes and, you know, missed the guy and went through like a folding chair. Pretty hilarious, um, but like a very viral spot there. Then you have Colby Carino, son of a legend. Steve Gibkey. Heard, heard of him, Colby Carino. Yeah, Steve Gibkey. Not a lot of people have heard of him, but he's done some AEW dark stuff, I believe. He's very fit, um, powerhouse type competitor. The Ugly Ducklings, they're coming as a tag team, even though they're a trio. The Ugly Ducklings were really big on the indies for a while. Uh, one of the most highest rated tag teams. Uh, one of their members, Brian, was a little sick. I believe he had cancer that he's almost finished with now, but still struggling. So that was great to see him back in the ring and on a Super Show card. O'Shea Edwards, kaiju-style wrestler, big, big guy. He's going to make very it. familiar to me. I feel like yeah, he's I wrestled mean, locally here. He's been traveling around. Darius Carter is a name you should be familiar with at this point. He's um, started off on the East Coast. He did things like Crusade for tra- Change. He had led that faction alongside TJ Marconi. He has, you know, numerous titles in basically every promotion he goes to. He is a great wrestler, a great performer. I love how he carries himself. He shows up wherever he goes in a suit and tie, well-dressed, takes himself very seriously, you know, as he should. He is a professional, um, and I think he's really making a name for himself on the indies. So a lot of big names on that set. Yeah, and that's planned to become – that's in the works to be coming out potentially later this year, both of those sets. Yeah, we're well, hoping to do something release. at one of the East Coast shows. Um, okay. And I, I'm going to let Griff actually do the box set because everyone raved on Griff's setup for the new South box set. They said it was the best starter deck that you could get. Um, so we're going to do something similar with Catalyst where if you're a brand-new player, we're going to give you all the staples that you need right in there. Now, I thought Young Allergy came up with the cards in that set. It might have been Young Allergy. You, you're right. Uh, I know that Young Allergy works closely with Griff, so that okay. would not surprise me. But Griff handed me the list. Um, so I, I credit him without even knowing it. But you may be very, very correct on that. I know Young Allergy is basically like Griff's right-hand man with a lot of things, including the editing. So if that was Young Allergy's deck list and – you know, more kudos to him. All right. Let's see. So, new releases coming out. So, the full art deck. Um, has everybody... That's in the full art deck. Submitted their art yet? Or are you still waiting for holdouts? Which full art? The one that released at Origins? The Kickstarter. Oh no, it's bad. A lot of people. It's not. That's a, a alt art deck, but lots of them yeah, the still not submitted. Yeah. I mean, I posted yeah. on the group. I posted updates. I posted re-updates. Yeah. We're gonna get to the point where I'm just gonna, you know, shelf it. And I spoke to our print coordinators today, and I said, listen, at some point we have a hard deadline, and you know, we're going to package this how we can. If we got to combine the two decks, we're going to do that. But we can't hold up all the other people 
for people that don't want to fill up a form, you know? Yeah, I think the last – I think I saw you have a deadline of July. Is that still the same? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to send out more reminders, but I think that's fair. That doesn't mean that people won't get their alt art card because they will, but they just won't be featured in the deck because it's not right to hold up the production. You know, we pride ourselves in today's climate now more than ever on delivering ahead of schedule. And, you know, the, to not deliver on schedule because of other people not doing their due diligence is not something that we're willing to take, you know? Oh, no, yeah. I, I understand, yeah. I'm, so I would recommend if you haven't done it yet, if you signed up in the Kickstarter for the Altart deck and didn't submit it, do so ASAP, guys. I would say being conservative. If you have given it zero thought, it should not take you an hour of your time from – you know, from you figuring out the card you want to going to Google and buying a sample and filling out the form, even if you were starting from scratch, this should not even be an hour process. If you know what you want, 10 minutes. Right? Very uh, simple. Yeah. Card and number, believe- form, Google search here, boom. Yeah. And uh, it's the order number they have to put in is the year and then their backer number, right? Correct. Just wanted to get that out there because I, I'm aware of at least one person that hasn't done that. Probably, and like you said, there's multiple. So, yeah, and you got to keep in mind that our artists are being contracted for these things too. So, like sometimes it puts us in a position where our artists can't fulfill their contract. Right? If they're contracted right. for 27 images and they only had 15. I do something that a lot of people probably wouldn't do is I will commission the extra 12 out of our pocket. And then when the 12 come in, do it again. So, you know, delaying in a way helps out our artists because they'll get extra images that we weren't supposed to do, but I'm not going to penalize the artist if they're budgeting something that might be, you know, how they survive for the month. And say, you know what, we were supposed to do 27 images, but I only got 16, so you're not going to get paid on the other 11, right? Like, we would never do that. So we end up filling it with some other things, and you'll see me giving them away as prizes, putting them on the wheel, and trying, like, different creative ways to make sure we can fulfill that contract. And that's why, you know, ultimately, if it takes too long, people are going to lose out. You know, we have a cutoff here that says you're not going to get your cutoff to be in the deck. But ultimately, you're going to get a cutoff where it's like you're not going to get your card because, you know, you might buy it now from an artist and the artist now gets recognition because they did the SRG Universe Super Show Full Art deck. And now they get booked elsewhere and their rate is three times as much, you know, and they're not available. Those are the reality of dealing with with freelancers and, and independent artists on the daily. You know, some people come by and they say, I bought this character two years ago. You know, I want this with this artist, but guess what? Now this artist is charging $200 an image. So it's not feasible for us to commission them. And their wait list is now six months. So the efficiency of you guys filling out your forms is very, very important for a lot of reasons. No, it's dead. No, definitely. So if you need, if you need help, ask. People will be oh, well, willing to give advice. You. I mean, oh, yeah. people in the community will help you. There are a lot of great people who oh, yeah. here. I mean, I would help you too. I walk you through it if you really yeah. need to. And people are here. If you can't figure out what card you want, if you can't figure out, you know, what 
any any look, people are always willing to give you ideas, help you out. So reach out to the community, reach out to SRG. You know, they'll help you if you can't figure out what you're gonna do with that card. But yeah, you don't want to miss out. It's to basically pay your Kickstarter fee and not get anything is not good. You want to get that done. And I think people want to see those cards come out. They want to see they want to see the full deck that they ordered through the Kickstarter. They want to see those full art decks come out. It shows a good it tells a nice story, I should say rather, because it shows you the way I describe the full art deck is this is pretty much the best cards in the game plus some memes, which are funny to the community. Yeah. Well, you know, Although in this with this recent one, it's pretty much the, the the best cards in the game as as chosen by Bob Dunn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty solid. But yeah. then you have like a devious drop, which I love, and like I guess derailed is a top tier card again. Um, yeah, is that, is that still like five hundred dollars or whatever the cost was? It's up there, that? man. I just I had a call earlier from the Thursday night event, the G R U M P, one with a a meme. Kid Thunder deck. Um, just playing like a whole bunch of funny titled cards. And he said that he actually won about two games off derailed. He said it was incredible. He said he had one match, he was way behind. He derailed, he drew into a finisher and he hit it. And he had another time where he used it as a stop and it got him back in the match. But uh, listen, when you have one extra finish than everybody else playing Kid Thunder, that coin flip for the derailed is in your favor, right? You have two shots at drawing into your grapple finish where somebody else only has one. So maybe yeah. that's a different maker, but derailed, definitely a powerhouse card, even if I didn't think so for a while. No, the more finished cards you have, the, uh, the better it is for you. That's why I'll run, I'll run some of those uh, Doomsday Lariat... Tornado Chin Takedown, uh, Atomic, what is it, Atomic Chicken Wing cards and certain yeah. decks. Because just, you know, being able to, you know, get a finish only playing two cards is still strong. Yeah, I love those cards. So I like to see you playing them. Yeah. And I see people doing some cool stuff with that too, splashing in like Impact Driver, right? So now you're like Atomic Chicken Wing with a plus one to the finish roll, which is nice. Yeah. Well, I play a... Uh, was in my Tassa and Tuosa deck. Mm-hmm. I run the uh, I run that high perform kicker hold choke into the atomic chicken wing combo in there. That's one of my favorite tag teams. That's my creation. I have to say, yeah. Mike, I'm going to steal your tech on that because that's awesome. You throw the hyper oh. forearm and shuffle back the finisher, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Great tech stolen. I'll give you the yeah. credit for it, but I'll definitely right. throw that in because you could run it and you could run it. Or the uh, the grapple version of that, but it's like you said, the tech. If I'm decked out, pass and bury that that uh, high perform kicker hold choke. Play it, it. Shuffle, shuffle back, back it, yep. shuffle back to finish. Anything you can do to reduce the number of turns it takes you to get a finished card in hand or in play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I run that. You know, my Prince of Fashion. I'm Use the grapples to get. Decked out super fast, right? Draw an extra yep. card when turn rolls, and then put them down with that. Yep. That is awesome tech. We started off Origins tech, and now we're on deck tech. It's always fun. To well, I mean, I think we're just kind of... We started off... This is Origins. 
I don't really, you know, but I think I just kind of want to be a little more free here. I can get back to ask you some things about Origins. No, um, not at all. Like I said, I think we've, we've hit some great topics here. No, I think we've hit some great topics. I know we Flyboy was somebody I wanted to ask about way back. I've talked about that because when I first saw Flyboy, I was when I first saw that gimmick being worked on, I was actually surprised that it was that it was coming out the way it was coming out because the way I interpreted it was it would be instantaneous. So just give me a breakdown of what you mean by instantaneous. So like for example, let's say I'm let's say I'm Flyboy versus I'll just go El Super for no reason. El Super plays um, Armenian uh, Super Show. You know, no finishes in deck, plays the card, flips the strike, and the grapple. Finish. As Fly- El Super Armor says, okay, I'm going to pick these two cards up. Flyboy can say, not so fast. I'm going to bury both of those cards. That was the way I thought the gimmick was work- would work based on the way it was working. So I don't now, disagree with uh, that. I uh, just think if you were to word it that way, it would be a strange instance of changing the rules that are already established. Like we've already established you can't interrupt card effects. So I, I don't think it would be that problematic to word it that way and just stamp it as this is how it works. But then I think you have people now talking about like, oh, why can't I do that with cornbread? You know, and cornbread is so heavily discussed and ruled to not work that way. And, I and think that was my more confusion. And that was my thought too, was that, you know, that would cause that confusion. I still, is that why you you ended up ruling it the way it works now? Yeah, because cornbread is like so far under a microscope and disgust and the timing and like, which I hate, but like, it's just become part of the competitive play. And when we had designed Flyboy, I'd even said specifically, like, a card like Running Face Kick is very good against Flyboy. Now, other cards are not, and that's just the nature of it, right? So ruling it that you can't interrupt the card actually gives it some perks that we were forced to make a ruling on. You get to Flyboy whenever your opponent plays a card with the potential to move stuff. And what I mean by that is if my opponent plays a Face Stretch, it says shuffle back four or draw one. So face stretch hits. Now, because it has the potential to move four cards, Flyboy could bury four cards in my opponent's discard pile, and then they could opt to draw one card. Same thing for, like, an Armenian Super Show. They hit an Armenian Super Show. Before they flip the two cards, Flyboy is going to see that has the potential to move two cards, so I'm going to bury two in their discard pile. See, I hadn't thought about something like that with a face stretch. That makes that card ridiculously good. Yes. That makes Flyboy really, really good. It also, like, could hurt, right? Because Flyboy could bury four, and then he's like, okay, I'm just going to draw a card, right? Give me four cards, or I'm shuffling back, I get eight. Um, so it definitely has some give and take, right? I mean, it depends on the four. Now, like a power bomb, right? A power bomb is very good against Flyboy, because if you're decked out, you'll bury the two, and then you'll just get them back. So it won't help as much. But there's definitely a give and take there. And again, like a player like me who plays your running face kicks and your backbreakers, 
I'm not as concerned, but the people that live and die by lariats and switcheroos and stuff, now you have a little bit of a decision to make if Flyboy is prevalent. And I think that's a good thing, right? I also think that some decks are pretty viable that don't have any discard retrieval, you know, built in. I played a deck um, that was an SRG boss deck, and I played straight draw cards, you know, 22, draw three cards, 23, draw three cards, 24, draw three cards, chokehold. And then my game was, I'm going to deck out. I don't care about discard retrieval because I'm going to deck out way before you. Well, but decking out is still involves discard retrieval. You're right, because Flyboy would stop the pass and bury. Because Flyboy would basically, yeah. because Flyboy still is going to work against pass and bury. Yes. And so the one, and let me make sure this is correct, because I heard this, I thought this was kind of nuts. In the case of a, re, a card like Rejected, Flyboy gets to bury the entire deck, the entire discard pile, gets to choose for the opponent. That is correct. I mean, there's that's just the way it's worded. That's not to say that at the end of the year we wouldn't issue a Flyboy has no interaction or rejected if it becomes a situation where it's just too tedious. Right? So as of right now, that is how it works, the way it's worded. But I'm definitely open to the idea of saying there's no interaction between rejected and Flyboy because rejected selects the whole deck. It, once the whole deck is selected, there are no other options. Yeah. Well, you know, Flyboy had a great showing, but, you know, Robert the Brain Dunn is a great player. There's no doubt about it. So it's very, you know, you have to be very careful with jumping the gun on when people are good or if a character is overpowered. Yeah, we'll just have to see. It's There's just, uh, I can just, I don't play DJ Outlaw as much as I could because a DJ Outlaw frustrates people. Yeah, and I think I DJ can... Outlaw is a super balanced character. I would never say anything about him being overpowered. I think he's very good. No, no. People just get annoyed having to uh, randomly reveal cards. They don't like doing that. I could see this. I could see Flyboy being similar, but a little worse because of the way it's going to not just be tedious where I can't just pass and bury without you know my opponent getting to basically bury first, but just every single choice. Anytime I have to do do any interaction with my discard pile. No, absolutely. I think that we're gonna see um, a push in the value of drawing cards off your discard pile, off the bottom of your deck, rather. Yeah, we may. Yeah, I mean, we could see that. We think so. Cards like over the top headlock, you think? Yep. Coming a premium executioner gets back in the meta. Yeah, you know executioner, that'd be great. Yeah, we'll just have to see. Scorpio. Maybe I'm thinking of El Scorpio. I think. I think you're thinking of Scorpio. Yeah. I could. Be. I must be thinking of El Scorpio. But yeah, I think when you roll submission, you draw the bottom card of your deck. That's the one. Is that it? Yeah. All right. I don't remember what Executioner does then. Executioner is when you flip two or more cards, draw two, bury one, or bury one of the flip cards. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking of Elscorp. Not as have not memorized all the cards yet. Maybe Maria Marinara. I think I know almost all the cards. 
I don't know everyone's stat line, and I don't know if I know every exact text on finish cards, but I'm pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you would know more than I would because you made them all. Well, that's not, that's not necessarily true. That's not actually true, is it? I have not made them all. I mean, I have no. signed off on majority of them, not Funtime Bob. Yeah. Oh, you didn't sign off on Funtime Bob? No. No. Very notorious story. Okay, what's the, what's the story on Funtime Bob? I don't know if I... His gimmick was way different. And then they wanted to switch the gimmick. And I was like, okay. But I didn't okay him getting the same finishers, you know, with the gimmick change. Okay. His gimmick was originally, I think if you lost three turn rolls in a row, your next roll was plus four. Okay. So very hard to do, lose three turn rolls. Yeah, it's very hard to do that. But I've done it. That's why his finishers are crazy, and he also got added to the breakout roll. If he, his first breakout roll would be plus four. Okay. Did not know. See, the one I was thinking of was CJ Spara. You obviously didn't sign up. That is true. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the one that that's the one that came to mind immediately. CJ Spara. Surprise was a surprise for Steve at uh, the first green gathering. He's one of the most powerful characters in the game, too. He's a very good character. And he's very good. He's been one of the most requested people who want a reskin of him. And I've always said no. Because I think he's strong enough where if you did that, and I could be wrong, you're going to see a lot of both of them making the top cut. Like if there were two variations of them, I think that you, you you'd see a lot of CJ Spara and you know whoever else it was coming out with the same thing. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, we have Sage and Alien, right? I don't know. We have Sage. We have Alien. Um, Scarlet shuffles back, right? Yeah, I mean, one of the conversations. Yeah. Scarlet obviously had a crazy showing. Mm -hmm. Some people yep. don't think. Scarlet as extreme as a lot of us do, and I, I mean, I could not disagree any more, you know? I think that you have Scarlet Graves, who has a very good gimmick. When you roll a six, you can win the roll, shuffle two, draw one, so you have card recursion and card advantage, if you have no discard pile. And it triggers always, breakout roll, turn rolls, everything, finish rolls. Yep. Most of them don't, but like the smoking gun is that type of gimmick with a gimmick blanker. I mean, most people who have gimmick blankers don't have gimmicks like that. You, you know, you have Night Terror, who that's all he does. You have um, like Flyboy, who could do it, but he's not getting a recursion gimmick. You have a lot of people that have to go through like extreme lengths to shut off the gimmick. And to me, when Scarlet has Scarlet Fever and I have a recursion gimmick. And you have nothing, it's just way too one-sided. That's just my opinion. And it's yeah, very I mean, Scarlet, very unprecedented that anybody has something like that. Yeah, I mean, Scarlet, that's the thing. Scarlet Graves had a great origins, of course. You know, won the Underworld, won the tag, was actually won allowed the to be... Underworld. <laughs> yeah, won the Underworld. Yeah, ended up winning the Underworld Championship with Kirk Bolka. He'd used it. He'd used um, Scarlet Graves to win BCW's CAC last year. Press 1P, I believe, won the CAC with Scarlet. 
Did he win one with Scarlet? I think so. Um, no, I know that they. I know that in the in the tornado tag on Sunday, they allowed. Um, I, was it John P to play a Scarlet and just double the double the stat line? Yeah, and made top eight. He did top eight. Tell you I, that from what I heard, top eight was Scarlet Graves doubled in the tornado tag. I mean, once the fever is on, you're good, right? I mean, what's it mean? The fever is the strike, right? Yeah, so I'll tell you, Scarlet Graves is designed by me, and I go super thematic. This is an orally Kickstarter. Scarlet Graves is actually going to play a huge role in the Super Show comics. So basically, like, she's Scarlet Graves. She's Graveyard Queen. Mm -hmm. She has to have a gimmick that shuffles back, right? Like, that makes a ton of sense. Sure. She's Scarlet. Like, it's going to trigger off red, right? Makes sense. So very simple. And then from there, I designed her finishers, right? One was called the Scarlet Letter. So I looked at what type of move it was. You know, it's a grapple and agility move. I put those bonuses on it, what I felt would reflect it as a maneuver. Uh, and it was a Scarlet Letter that you could mail out. So, like, I was thinking, you know, you could send the letter by discarding it to draw a card, right? Uh, that's how I came okay. up with Scarlet Letter. Scarlet Fever. I was the whole thing was if your opponent gets caught with Scarlet Fever, they are sick. And how are we going to make them sick in Super Show? We're going to blank their gimmick. And then the last one, you know, Scarlet's Web. You have to make a play on it being spider-related. So it flips eight cards and it adds to power and submission as the move would. So again, I basically just designed this for what I thought would make sense for it. Not really taking into consideration the power level. Um, I've often joked that if we wanted to make Scarlet playable, Dr. Thick Thunderlip should release a vaccine for Scarlet Fever, uh, which means, like, the Scarlet Fever only turns on at two or three crowd meter. Uh, and if that wasn't enough, then we have a booster shot for it, where it's, like, four or five crowd meter turns on. I think that would be really funny um, as an errata to that, like, with some flavor behind it. Being you know, you like could do a... Uh... You could do one of the potion cards that makes you immune to having your gimmick blanked. That's a good idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. Like, uh, like triangle choke. Unblank your gimmick. Your gimmick can't be blanked. Yeah. As a potion, that'd be really cool. I like it. What number do you think that would be? Hmm. That's a good question. What are the... Because... Uh, Power level wise, we, unblank your gimmick. Your gimmick can't be blanked. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I would say maybe like a seven, eight, or nine. I don't know if it would do. You other think? Stuff you think that. it's a lead? I'm th- you think it's a lead? I think it's a follow up. That's a good point too, right? Will you give up? Because that's because that's because that's, pr- that's pr- it's pretty powerful to to be to basically blank to basically undo a gimmick or a uh, or a finish. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And it could be really powerful in some of the multiplayer matches, right? Where they say, like, at X crowd meter, the gimmicks are blank. Could be, yeah. Right? Like, if you splash that in, like, the tag team decks, you get to crowd meter seven. Everyone's blank but you. It could be pretty cool. Could be pretty cool. I like it, Mike. Good good card design. Yeah. That's what we do. All right, so that's a talk about Scarlet, talk about Flyboy. How did you think the uh, 
the limited print run decks for the uh, all, for the full art decks. How did you like the way that turned out? You guys sold through those, didn't you? They did sell out, which was great. I think it makes them like a nice collector's piece where, you know, you have a one of 125 card. Um, and I think they'll be really popular. Uh, so I was comfortable where we were at with the price point and, and with the quantity. I think it's always cool to have a piece of history. Um, you know, if you got a fly boy and you got the entrance card, that's great, right? But it's nice when it's not too exclusive, right? Where you've kind of shortened people's accessibility to it. Yeah. And I think it looked great. Uh, I love, I have to say, having a deck. I know a lot of people want a full, full art deck, and that's great. But I like having my deck where, you know, one or two full art cards come in, especially if it's a card that's, like, significant to my deck build. It just feels nice having it in your hand. Like, the deck I was running that weekend had Swing and a Miss, full art, um, and just having it in my hand, you know, just felt like it was more important. So I like the full art aspect. It's like a foil, but different. I mean, wait till we have full art foils. We game changers. That that in the work, full art foils. Well, this is actually a second full art deck in the works, and we were going to announce uh -huh. it today, but we're going to wait a little bit to have everything up and running. Um, we're probably going to do Elvis with it, who did all the Cosmic Crusaders and a lot of the Time Warp stuff. He's an incredible artist. There have been some requests for a guest artist. Um, I might make that accessible, but I also don't know how reliable that person is. Their artwork is great. I'd like to build a better relationship before we commission 30 pieces for them. But I think so, people would be blown away by a full art Elvis deck. So if I was, so I was getting ready to ask you who that artist is, but it sounds like you want to hold off on saying that right now. It's an artist who did the Alien Invader and has done some stuff from Splits. But like, I wouldn't be really against it if people absolutely a, wanted to use that. Are you talking about? You're not talking about Gary uh, Radziak, are you? Not Gary Radziak. He's great, actually. We haven't used him in a while. I know he's doing some stuff with yeah. Blood Bowl. Um, I believe his name is Jermaine or Jeremiah, but it's spelled pretty different. I haven't looked at. You're talking about the newest Alien Invader, then, are you? Yes. You haven't looked to see. I didn't look at the card to see who the artist was on. It. it oh wow! There are so many Alien alts. Uh, oh yeah, there's so many alien. There's so many alien cards. I think there's there's the Nuno, two versions of the Gary. There's a eight bit. So there's the Nuno, two versions of Gary. There might even be three versions of Gary with different backgrounds, but there's at least two. There's at least two that I can one. think of. As the illegal yeah. alien that people have called the playtest version that some people had. I've never seen that one. It's got the new alien art and gimmick with the old logo, which is just like a huge no-no in my opinion. Hmm. Like, aliens finishers are so powerful that there's just no way it could be that. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's some... There are quite a few, I mean... There's a lot of aliens. There's a lot of brains. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of woolly bullies. Yeah, I mean those three are huge supporters of the game. Yeah. Um, and more importantly, not only for their own stuff, those people help out a lot of people in the community, and no, that's really appreciated definitely. on a lot of levels. You know, 
not only are they doing things to create their characters, but they also do a lot of very nice things for so many people. Yeah, no, there's no, uh, that was not, we're not meant there. We're not trying to bury anybody by pointing that out. Just pointing out that certain competitors are a lot of versions of, I know some people like to call this the burial cast. I don't know why. It is a pretty funny running joke. I, I don't, I've heard that numerous times, but I don't know where this comes from. I don't bury, I don't routinely bury people. I know there've been, I know when we did the award show, some people were unhappy with the uh, uh, the predictions from myself and from uh, Mark Perry. I know I know Booker has told me that whatever that I'm burying him whenever I don't mention him. So, and since that's almost every episode, I don't have a reason to bring up Booker. Well, let's bring up James Booker, Jack. Yeah. Bring up, let's bring him up. Yeah, uh, James Booker did not cash in the. Uh, Case currently holds the hardcore championship. There have been a lot of talks and because my my cash in when we used to play the legendary realms and Sage actually cashed in against me. Yeah. Um, after I successfully escaped a fatal four way elimination match by eliminating all three opponents, Sage would later then cash in. We played you start with ten cards in your hand. That's how we did. See, I don't. From what I understand, there really still has not been officially what the cash in does. Well, again, this is because it's Calais's Cookies Fortune, and that's right. what I did. And they, and they're trying to negotiate that and shutting off spectacle cards, right? Because with the ten card, it could be a disadvantage. I don't know if that's going to be approved or not. We'll see how that shakes up. Um, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what all the any of the negotiations. But are. I would use it like very different. You know, for us, we were very gray about it. So, for example, I would have no issue with say it was the brain who's been announced as number one contender versus Eddie Fury, right? Eddie Fury mm -hmm. hits a finisher, brain is about to be eliminated, and now in comes Booker, and he could say that this is an elimination match now. So he'll enter the match with 10 cards if the brain is eliminated, you know, by an 11 finish roll or a 12. And now the match will continue as is. And, you know, if Eddie Fury has already used his spectacle, it's done. But that's how I would do it. That you have the control huh. to do stuff like that, right? You're literally entering the match and changing the rules right then and there. I don't necessarily think it needs to be a hard reset. And, like, that's by design, right? When you watch WWE... You know, what, what's happened here? People have won a match, and then the person is signed in right now and made it a title match. Or they've made it a triple threat match right on the spot, right? Yes, I mean, the, only, the, the big question is, is it an advantage if, say, the player who's been playing is decked out? It absolutely could be, is right? That, it is, could that, be. is that – you know, so would that even make sense in that case to cash in in that way? I because, mean, there are different things, right? You have yeah. 10 in hand, so you probably should be able to defend against stuff, right? I mean, you also know what resources they I don't maybe. have. It, it's, yeah. again, it's it's not a guarantee either way, which is the point of no. it, right? And I think that's what made exciting. This is obviously based off the concept of, like, money in the bank, right? Right. You know, what made money in the bank exciting was that 
it felt like a surefire win, but sometimes it wasn't, right? And now knowing that, like, it still could backfire is what's cool, especially in Super Show game. Like, if there wasn't a way that you could lose, then it would just say, like, you win the match, right? Yeah. But, I mean, that's what pe people don't want to lose. It's, you don't want to be the one guy to cash in and lose. Because they don't let you forget. Yep. I mean, the Chris Bay, I mean, he did it right, and he bounced back. I mean, you lose. I mean, you lose. You lose a. Depending on how you lose a belt, you know, you may. Uh, people people will always remind you of it. In fact, there was a de belt that debuted at Origins based off an infamous belt loss. That is true. I want to say. I want to say Mark Perry went home with that belt. Yeah, he must owe somebody a crave case, I think, right? He must have. Yeah. I wonder if he got. I wonder if they got him the fries or the onion rings. <laughs> I um, I like White Castle. They have Impossible Sliders, which is always fun. Yeah, I I, I like it too. I only uh, I never get the fries. It's just it's just burgers and the drink. And it was, of course, it was fitting because you know. The corporate headquarters of White Castle is was right there, style. right? That's an interesting so, little coincidence. So, makes sense that the belt would debut at Origins. Little, maybe, maybe not as well known a fact, but yep. Yeah, I thought White that was Castle. a real strange coincidence. Yeah, no, a lot of there's a lot of things in Columbus. Columbus, Columbus, big city. Hey, Ohio is becoming one of my favorite states in the whole United States. Ohio, Ohio big, big state and super show. Three play groups now. Yeah, I, I like mean, that. Grand Gathering home, Origins home, Rumble at the That's Refuse right, has been there. You know, we've had some. Yeah, some really tons, good of Mark, times. Mark, tons of Marktoberfest, um, Rust Manias. Mm-hmm. Yep. Since he's brought Grand Gathering, I know there's been talk, early talk of Grand Gathering. Would you call it Grand Gathering 2, or would you basically just make the virtual, the actual Grand Gathering 2, and this next one be 3? I think it would have to be 3 or 2.5. I mean, I can definitely say that if there is not a 2023 Grand Gathering. There will be some significant boss hammers thrown at our team. Um, we've, we've talked about it extensively. 2023, we'll see a Grand Gathering. Do you have an idea of where you might want to locate it? I don't know yet. I mean, there have been a lot of things thrown off the bat. I mean, I'm a big fan of doing it in the same place the first one was at. Um We've had a second what? venue that we had booked that didn't happen because of COVID, but the first venue you know, holds about 130 people, which I think is a great number. And I think that we had, aside from some faulty elevators, we were pretty comfortable say, where we were. There was food. There was a bar. People didn't have to leave to go to their hotel room. I thought it was wonderful. Nope, that is true. There was, there was a bar. The elevators were bad. I guess I'm I'm partially to blame for that venue. Yeah, yeah. No, that was a good call. It was saving the bacon, as we call it. Yeah. 
I mean, had to had to use had to use my clues to figure out where the original location was supposed to be because all we knew was rooftop pool. Unfortunately, there's only one rooftop pool hotel in Cincinnati. Oh man, that would have been some wild times having a rooftop pool in the Grand Gather. Maybe they well, yeah, cleaned that, up their where, rack. Maybe that'll be back on. That, that was the original location, right? Yeah. It was that hotel. Oh, Origins, we saw the debut of somebody who made a, a uh, debut slightly before Origins. Oh, Ray B showed up Sunday. What'd you think of the uh what'd you think of Ray B showing up at the convention on Sunday? I thought it was funny. I I, I think that, you know, getting Macho Manny involved in the Bradley Iyer troll session was very funny. Uh Bradley Iyer, James Booker, to me, great guys. I very much so enjoy their company. I I very much so enjoy their humor. Uh but that doesn't mean that I don't have to regulate it the same way I would anywhere else. You know, I could find something funny, but that still go against the code and the guidelines of things. So Ray B was not good. Not 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 happy with that being on the uh, on the group. Um, I think in character is fine. I don't. I remember there was some one post where I ended up taking some stuff down. I don't remember what it was, but. I think that Macho Manny showing up as Ray B and the bat costume is really funny. Um, Ray B's had started up me again, having some fun with the cheetah, the fastest man in the LFF. He moved into a new place. There was a bat that was in his room. You know, prior to this, when he got the origins, he decided to get a Ray B shot on precaution in case the bat bit him in his sleep, I guess. I don't know what the cost was. Uh, so I had a lot of fun saying that the cheetah was rabies free in 23 even though it's 2022 but it doesn't rhyme so that kind of like no no it does not yeah um rabies free in 23 i thought it was really funny as like a a joke every time the cheetah was on camera considering he left the first day to wait six hours to get a rabies shot um so it was really funny and i think brad and those guys kind of ran with it and i didn't know the direction they were going with the trolling had they been like, hey, we're going to do this, and Macho Mandy's going to show up dressed as a bat, I probably would have let it slide a little bit more because it's pretty funny in that sense and, and harmless. All right, just wanted to – I wasn't – I missed a lot of the rabies stuff initially. I didn't see it, so while well, it's kind of a – In the dark. That's the story behind it, yeah. Yeah. Ian Chambers had a bat in his room, went to get a rabies shot out of safety precaution. I made a joke about it. They ran with it. Macho Manny showed up as rabies. He attacked everyone. Actually, a pretty fun moment for me at Origins was Macho Manny was attacking everybody, and he was trying to put us in, like, figure four leg locks and sharpshooters. So he, like, tried I don't to know what me, he was doing. tried to put me in a sharpshooter, and I inside cradled him and had a ref count to three count, um, which I thought was really I funny. So I don't remember levels. that part. I think, yeah, so he, I think that he was beating me I up, like, and I was selling it, and then he put me in a sharpshooter, and I rolled him up. So I beat a child live at Origins. Um, so I'm one and zero at Origins, folks. The inside the sharpshooter. So you're just you're trying to 
trying to compete with Bob Dunn. Bob for, Dunn, uh, that's it. We both put fa- fa- for fa- famous video, famous victories against children. Absolutely. All right. Be in that elite, elite category. Let the record show the BOSS is 1 0 against Ray B's at Origins Game Fair. That's true. So we're going to see the rematch next year? I hope not. But against, <laughs> I'm hoping against, to against the, against the older, wiser Ray B in a year. This, this, of course, by that time, Jack might be old enough. He might have had to face both of them. It'll be the rematch. Yeah. Have Victoria Joe run in to save you. No, you don't want to mess with her. She's tough. All right. Anything else I want to bring up? Oh. Um, might as well bring this up since I'm always thinking about it. CCC, there's no way it's going to be done before Gen Con at the current pace. Um, what do you, when do you think, is there a new goal you're going to have for when you want to see it get finished by? Um, I, I know this is unpopular opinion but i rather enjoy Uh that the ccc goes as long as it does i think if it was like a very quick thing it wouldn't mean as much to the people who win it wouldn't give the community you know something to talk about each week something to look forward to so i am definitely a fan of it taking a very long time pat mulligan might fall asleep a little bit too often extending it longer than it's intended to be but overall, I am very happy to see it last a year or even more. Um, we have other things that we could do to make a quick character get in there. But I think we've seen a lot of great stuff. Like, look at Johnny Korea, man. Johnny Korea is super over as a rookie, uh, as a player, as a competitor. Lauren Schwane and her character. And I don't know if this was a quick and dirty type thing, if those characters would get the recognition that they really deserve. And, I mean, that's just a couple of them off the, off the hand. I think I think there could be a blend. I don't think it has to be super short, but I, sometimes I feel like it it, dra- it it can drag on to the point where people forget it's even going on. Especially with, especially with there's been a distinct lack of promos from what I've seen for quite a while now. I don't think there were any promos for the first you know four weeks of round two. I still haven't seen any for this current matchup. I mean, granted, you know, it's only Friday as we record this. There may we may see some over the weekend. But you know, if there's if there if we get through match number three, which is basically halfway through round two, and we haven't had any promos, that's I don't think that's good for the content. I think there's definitely at least one promo from the participants in each round. I don't think there's, there's been uh, like radio silence. You know, I, I feel like uh, I've been tagged. I could be wrong, but I feel like there's I, at least I'm, been an intro promo of some kind for each round. As as someone who's tried to follow this, like I can tell you, well, I can tell you for this one because this current week is Rinrin Same versus uh, Vicious Vic. Yeah. 
I don't think Vicious Vic has done any up till now, just because he hasn't been in it until now. Yeah. And I don't believe Rumor and Same has done any promos since like before the contest even started. I don't think he did any in his first round match, and I don't think he's done any here so far. Yeah, I mean it's possible. I'll have Pat Mulligan is in charge put out some smoke signals and say, hey, folks, make sure you get yeah. your, your promo videos out or something, you know? Yeah. They won't get through the, the later rounds if they're not promoing, that's for sure. I don't know about that. I don't know. I think people respond. I don't think people are going to vote for people just on that. I think they're going to want to see something. You know, I'm always that's always something I'm trying to f- suss out. How much do people actually care about the show that's put on? And how much do people just not even, their vote doesn't even matter about the show? Mm-hmm. I'm always I'm always thinking about that because sometimes I because I because I pay I try I pay attention you know as someone who's probably competed in more of these CCCs than I'd say most people because mm-hmm. this this is my fourth this time out you know I always wonder like. How much of it? How much do people actually care about the characters being made and the promos being done? And how much of it is about? Well, I like that guy, so he's got my vote. I don't really care what he does in the CCC. I'm always curious what level of pe- investment people actually have in the contest. So I definitely know some of the later rounds we've seen, you know, a divide where people are going with friends over, you know, quality over friends, and sometimes people are upset and. I think that's one thing that we need to stress is that you cannot be offended on the way somebody votes, just like real life. You know, if you don't agree with somebody's choice, you got to respect their their ability to cast that vote, you know. And I've seen people say, like, oh, you, this is my boy, and you didn't vote for me. And people are like, well, listen, this guy deserves it a little bit more. No disrespect against you, but he put a little bit more work in. So I think that when it gets down to – the tag rounds and stuff like that, we're going to really have to see a push for people wanting their character in the game. Don't do not do the tag rounds. Steve. Don't do the tag rounds. Don't do it. Hey, I would tag with JAC, man. I think we would do great. Well, JAC would appreciate that. But, and if the tag round is there, everyone will participate in the tag round. That being said, have mercy on the people, Steve. <laughs> Steve, if you abolish the tag round, face of the year every year, Steve. You think so? I'm telling you don't you, think people love the tag? The tag, the tag round is awful, Steve. The tag round is the worst. This is why they call it the burial cast. Nobody. The only person I know that likes the tag round is you. Hey, listen, I like any sort of thing that gets people involved. And I'll say the tag round, you people really pull people to the Facebook page. They get the tags in. They get people that aren't part of the page to like the page so they're able to tag it. And at the end of the day, the CCC is really about getting the game and the community more exposure. And I think the tag round does an awesome job of that. You know, I asked this during my show. I did the CCC. And I might as well ask you. How much, historically, how many people has something like the tag round brought to them? 
Is it something that you've like noticed or paid attention to? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't give you a quantified number, but there is no doubt that during the CCC tag rounds, the Facebook pages gets more likes than a regular day. That makes sense. You know, somebody might. Does it, does it bring new people to the game? Are there players that actually like come into the game, learn about the game through the tag rounds? That would be hard to know, but you definitely get people who follow the page, which has to be, you know, quantifiable in some way, right? More people on your page. They just might know the brand. They might see a t-shirt. They might talk about something that they didn't see before. So it definitely, like, increases your reach more so than not having the tag around, if that makes sense. All right. Well... I think we're going to be uh, wrap this up pretty soon. So, might as well, since we're talking about the CCC, I have an idea. I wanted to pitch it to you. I brought it up with the other person I want to pitch. I've mentioned this. I'll throw it out now. I don't know how well JAC is going to do in the CCC. I don't know if he's going to win. don't know if he's going to get knocked out this next round. But had an idea, wanted to pitch it. All right. Here's my idea. JAC versus Young Allergy Rap Battle Box Set. I'd be all for that. All right. I'd be all Something for that. Something to think about. Something to think about. Maybe. maybe uh, I mean, I don't know if maybe. we'll ever see Young Allergy as a full playable competitor. He said he's happy being just an entrance card. But, but look, I mean. I think I think that move product. I think if you have, I think that could I think that's a potential Kickstarter campaign. You got you know how I feel about rap battles. I'm a big fan. I love music. Right. I love maybe, making music. Maybe right. And maybe we throw in honor of a very famous rap battle. Maybe JAC and Young Allergy are the two main competitors. Maybe we have Candy Man and the SRG bosses, the other two. I got buried on that. I mean, I thought I did a fantastic rap on 24 hours turnaround time. Uh, I had to read it. Don't get me wrong. That's not my usual MO, but I thought that. Well, are you, Larry, are you better freestyling? Are you better at freestyling? Um, no, I would say um, I'm probably better when I'm prepared and able to practice. You know, I was at a convention while that was going down and basically typed some stuff up on my phone and finished it but it was due the night before at like 2 a.m in my hotel room by myself and then had to record it um so i didn't want to be like shouting out loud in my hotel room with people like attached to my room you know all right well maybe maybe you'll get a rematch maybe look and maybe that could be part of the build that could be Part of the part of the build is various. What I should do is just re-record that in studio, and I think that it would get like a huge pop. You, you could do that too. Actual beat and something that would be fun. It may maybe maybe get a little rematch, a little redemption. It's hard for me to want to get in and like tear up Candyman because I love Candyman in real life. She's a very good friend to me in real life. If she's listening, so like to want to go and get in that mindset of like I have to destroy Candyman. Um, it's kind of not at the top of my to-do list, but I think I should, on principle, just kind of re-record to show people what I got. If that makes sense. I mean, I mean, yeah. Look, I mean, just you know, gotta you shoot your shot, you know. But I am really working on. I by the end of the year, I'd like to put together a full mixtape featuring other people and 
I'm very happy with some of the songs that we've put together. Um, lyrically, the flow, the beats, everything is really good. Uh, I would like to, you know, officially record them, not just me doing a test run in like my studio, but uh, I really would look forward to putting something together. So w- would it just be all you on this? I would prefer it to absolutely it? not be, but I've found that like a lot of people, not to put people on the spot, some people have said, oh, this guy's a rapper. He would like to do music. This guy's a singer. They would like to do music. Uh, I've found that they're just non-responsive, you know, like, hey, look, I'm looking to put together an album. I have a lot of connections uh, in the music industry. I don't know if I'd be able to access them, but at least... I think people would listen to it, you know, maybe more so than most people. If I said, hey, look at this, check out this album that we released. I think we'd have a lot of people that would check it out just because it was SRG affiliated, right? So what would this album be be about then? Would this be about, uh, would this just be you writing a personal album? Would this be about the game? Would I think personally, be, like, it's very hard like to a, separate. I actually phoned uh-huh. you one that we did recently. Um Okay. It's very hard to, to look at it. It's very hard to separate. You know, we I've done stuff where it's very like freestyle based, like what I just sent you, um, which is just two minutes, no hook, no chorus, just you know me rapping along with a beat. I've done other stuff that is very formulaic of a pop song, you know, with like some hip hop undertones where there's a chorus, there's a hook, there's some repetition to it. Um, and I, you know, I play obviously a lot of music in my house with my kids and my kids love the pop versions of songs. They love singing along to the chorus. They love the other stuff. They go along to the beat. And like my oldest daughter, who's nine, if I play like a freestyle, she'll be like, what is this daddy? You know, like, but then if I play another one that has like a hook that we've came up with and we've had people singing on, they sing that stuff all day long. So definitely some hip hop, definitely some pop, definitely some um, mixings of different things. And I would like to see more people. Uh, I've worked with guys like Bobby Ohio, who's super talented. King Greatness makes the beeps. Yep. Zach Bruno, AKA Zachary Snow is actually in a group called Cloudwalker. He is super talented. When I tell you he lyrically, he is very, very gifted. I would love to work with him a little bit more. Um, and those are some of the guys, there's some wrestlers that have rap backgrounds. I'd like to get them on it. But again, I just enjoy it. So when you ask like what type of stuff, um, for example, Origins or any convention, I am very fortunate to stay busy all day long. I greatly appreciate it. I don't want to sound like a complaint, but sometimes after five days of a convention where it's literally like nonstop for me, you know, I open the booth at eight, I leave sometimes at 11 o'clock at night, I hang out with people who play the game, I hang out with friends. I don't get a lot of personal time in that span and I really enjoy, you know, getting back to my hotel room or on a plane or somewhere and just reflecting back internally and and turning that into, you know, notes that I turn into lyrics. So a lot of the stuff comes off, you know, post shows uh, and that'll come off in the songs. I might talk about things that happened in the shows. I might talk about my personal life. Um, Some of it is very emotional. Uh, some of it is very feel good, you know, kind of depends what kind of mood I'm in, but I like to sing about, uh, 
very serious things. You know, I, I bring up mental health a lot. I bring up personal stories a lot. And sometimes I just make like fun party music for lack of a better term. But I enjoy it. I do it for me. I don't ever picture myself um, monetizing it. Maybe one day it will. Who knows? I wouldn't be objected to it. But I really do it as something for me cathartically. Uh, and I like having a creative outlet. I love Super Show. I love designing stuff for sprites and the other games that we have, like our Password Thief game, Crash Landed, you know, Southside, Scally Wager. I love having those creative outlets, but I also love having something that has nothing to do with my finances, has nothing to do. There's no stress to it. It's never work. It's just a hobby and getting together with some guys or girls and hanging out and saying like, Hey, let's get this beat. Let's make a song. Let's do a track. It's just super fun. And I recommend it to anybody on any level. No, I can definitely understand that. It's been, yeah. Are there, since you just brought up those other games, are there any plans for any of those other games to come out anytime soon? I've never seen Southside or Scallywager or Ultra Preparedarian or anything like that come out. Um, definitely now, yes, because the printing partner that we've worked with actually specializes in games and components where our original partner didn't. Uh, now having guys okay. like Griff and John on board, John has always been there, but now having Griff kind of lets us coordinate these things, you'll definitely see an influx mm -hmm. of products. You know, Ultra Preparedarian is simple. We could just, right now, that's on a drive. I could print it and have some copies ready, and I think you'll see a lot more of that over time. You know, especially post-Gen Con, you have a little lull. Um, you, you'll see Ultra Crepidarian. I made another game that needs a name, but it's a great game. I made it with my kids. Um, mm -hmm. If you've ever played Spyfall, one of my favorite games, it's very similar to that. But the idea is you have a password. Everybody gets dealt cards have the password on it and one person is the password thief trying to steal the password so you have to ask questions in the group to see who knows the password and who might be trying to steal it um, which makes it super fun however you can increase the complexity by upping it to two cards so now you'll have two words you know just like when you have a password you increase the strength by adding things to it right uh, so you're Thief will have access to half the password, but not the full thing, which will make it much harder to catch them. Um, and it's a very simple, fun game, and it looks very nice. It has images of pictures and art and graphics. So that should be a game that definitely comes out at some point once we figure out what to call it. All right. But we have games well, that are super almost... simple. Uh, and then we have games like Southside that require a ton of components um, and Scally Wager that needs cups and dice and stuff. But now that we're working with a company that can work with that, it um, it's much more in reach. And again, Super Show is super popular. Keeps me very, very busy. Uh, it is a wonderful problem to have when your main product keeps you busy enough that you don't need to launch other products. Yeah, that's definitely a good problem to have. Yep. Well, I believe that's going to do it for this special episode of the Outlaw Mudcast. Is there anything you'd like to say as we close? I want to thank anyone who takes the time to listen to the show. I think it is a great show. It is an amazing tool to have 
an independent third party giving you all the news on Super Show the Game, upcoming events. Michael does a phenomenal job of record keeping, much better than I could ever imagine to do personally. Um, he's a great resource, and I appreciate the mod class very much. I hope it has 250 more episodes. I hope so too. We're we're uh, we're not quite to 250 yet, but we're getting close. We're getting close. But with that being said, that's going to do it for this special episode of the Outlaw Mudcast. I'd like to thank my guest, Steve Resk, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening. Good day. Bye, man.